This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to be back after a partially imposed hiatus and then a hiatus due to vacation. Most of it imposed. Monday we were in Washington, D.C., and then we were supposed to come home Monday night, but uh, we didn't arrive home till mid-early mid morning, uh, around 2 or 3 that day, Tuesday morning, so we didn't do we didn't do Bible study then, and then Last week, I just couldn't get my computer to do the Bible study. It was just one of those one of those weeks. Not a bad not a bad thing to take a little break every once in a while. But we are back in Exodus, and we are dealing with the golden calf. And the golden calf is important. It's an important it's an important idea. And the reason it is important in Scripture is because it teaches us about our heart's tendency toward idolatry or our heart's tendency toward worshiping God that we make for ourselves, choosing our God rather than worshiping the God of heaven and earth and the God who reveals himself to us in that creation. When we study this, it's important that you, first of all, it seems crazy that they would ever even enter into idolatry, especially at the, especially at this point. And yet when you read the story, you realize, boy, that's really something that I can see happening. And the reason is because even though God did all these things for them, they didn't really do a whole lot to initiate or to sustain or to in any way have a relationship with God. In fact, God brought them up out of Egypt to the mountains so that they could have a relationship with him, and they refused to go up or refused to have that intimate relationship with him. And when a person or when a people decide that they're going to do it their own way and that they're not going to approach God as he's revealed himself, they're not going to approach God as he has called them to to him, then they put themselves in a position where they just don't know God. And when they don't know God, you go into idolatry. And I've always said, and we say it over and over again, because if you'll think about it, it's absolutely true. We worship one of three things. We either worship the God who created all things, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus, the full manifestation of God. We either worship that God, or we worship something he created, something he made. It can be birds of the air. It can be beasts of the field. It can be something that we create with our own hands from what he made. You go, that's something I created. No, it's not. It doesn't matter what we make. Everything that we make, we have to make with something that God had to make first. And I, I think that's obvious once you think through it. Everything that we make, we have to make from something that God had to make first. And everything that uh, is made by him, all that is was made by him. And that's what John kind of explains in 1 John and in uh, the Gospel of John. All that is was made by him and nothing that was made was not made by him. And we worship something that he makes or 
we worship a very specific thing that he has made, and that is us. We worship ourselves. And when you worship one of those three things, you're going to find yourself oftentimes, if you reject the worship of the one who made you, you're going to, you're going to find yourself slowly sliding into the worship of something that was made by him, maybe fashioned by you, but made by him. And notice there's something insidious about that. Fashioned by him or made by, but made, fashioned by you, but made by him is important because ultimately that's just really worshiping yourself also. And we see that in Exodus 32 verse 4, he says, and he received the gold, it's talking about Aaron from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molding calf. Now, it really doesn't matter that it's a molding calf, although uh, calves have an important uh, uh, spiritual uh, significance for uh, the, uh, the, the Egyptians and the Canaanite uh, nations that they were dealing with later on. It, it, it does have a lot of uh, pagan symbolism that goes along with it. And the truth is that worship of, worship of other gods. And uh, one of the things I didn't mention that God has made that people worship and sometimes unknowingly worship is angels. And angelic worship or paganism is, a, is another form of worshiping that which was created. This golden calf was is a picture of that. I don't want to get deep into that because I really want to personalize this, and it's important that we do personalize it. He says here that they made, he fashioned the golden hat calf from his hand. Now, notice, he's made a god to worship. And then he worships that God. But if he made the God, then he is the creator. And so ultimately, he's not, they're not worshiping this golden calf. They're worshiping themselves. Uh, and not only that, then the next statement that's made, which is a powerful statement about the dive into depravity, or really the dive into not realizing who you are and what's going on around you, the, it is, it's amazing. He says, then they said, this is your God. <laughs> they told Israel, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So they make a golden calf. They begin to worship the golden calf. Then they say, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. If they made the calf who brought them out of Egypt, then they brought themselves out of Egypt. Notice, it is insidious how myopic they you can be when you begin to worship that which you make that which you make with your own hands and believe that you're actually worshiping God and not worshiping yourself and 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 you go well, what does this really matter for me we're Christians we're that's not, here's the deal there there is a God who made all things and that God revealed himself to us through his word and that word starting in Matthew chapter 1, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so we know the God who made all things. We know him revealing himself in the Old Testament. We know him revealing himself in the flesh in the New Testament in the form of Jesus Christ. And then we know the works that he did, and we know the teaching that he gave us. And then we know how that played out and how that was supposed to play out in the church through the epistles, how it's supposed to play out in the individual's lives through the epistles, how that's supposed to play out in history through the book of Acts. And then <clears throat> we have a message to us about how God is at work culminating his work in his creation in the end times in the book of the Revelation. And so you have all through the Bible God revealing himself. Now, <clears throat> the strange thing about the heart of man is we can take 
uh, the idea of God, the idea that, that God is God. We can take that idea and begin to make God in our own image. We can begin to add to him attributes that are clearly not spelled out in Scripture. And there, that, that, that goes on in the open and obvious today. It, it was not as much obvious back 100 years ago or 200 years ago. But today you can clearly see even people who claim Christ, who deny clear teachings from his word, and will <clears throat> strain out a gnat to swallow an elephant, meaning they'll give you some obscure idea from Scripture. Maybe it's not even from Scripture. Maybe it's a historical understanding of Scripture that they have, and it will be clearly against what God says in his word, and then they will reject God's word, and then they will receive this teaching or this understanding or this idea that they have some, in some way manipulated from God's word in order that they can do or be or function in a uh, God-servant uh, relationship with a God that they want rather than the God that is presented in Scripture. And boy, that is an insidious thought and idea that I can begin to make Jesus in my image, that I can make Jesus my Jesus rather than having Jesus be the Jesus that he is and he presented himself through his life, and through his disciples uh, writing down and telling us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who he was. And then <clears throat> that teaching and that understanding culminating in the teachings of the New Testament, which are quite clear, the theological books of Roman and Hebrews, the personal books that are about how we should live, written by Peter, written by John, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, the book of James, personal writings about leadership and how the church should be led in 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, and then how the church should operate in, in Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and all these books that teach us about how the message and the life of Jesus Christ is to play out in our lives. We have the theological understanding that tie the Old Testament and New Testament in two great books of theology, Romans and Hebrews. We have great teachings that teach us how to live in the rest of the epistles. And then we have the life of Jesus Christ and his teachings that override and, and, and ride herd over those understandings so that when, when, we're, when we're reading in, let's say, 2 Corinthians and there's an idea, we can go back to the teachings of Jesus and understand, okay, this is how this, is how this idea culminated from that understanding. We, we can do those things. And, <clears throat> and we are presented with the God of the universe who made all things, who is the source of life and light, and he's the way. He, he is truth. He is, he is objective truth, not subjective truth that, that you can make up for your own personal satisfaction. He is objectively truth, meaning the truth that he is truth for everything, every situation, and everyone. We can do that. We can manipulate him and make him into our own image or the way we want him to be, or the way that our will desires him to be. And then, are you really worshiping Jesus? And the answer is you're not. You're worshiping Jesus made in your image, which is not Jesus himself. It's just your will replacing his will, which means that ultimately you're just worshiping yourself. And that is an insidious, powerful... <sighs> Thank <laughs> you.
death, really. It just really is. It's walking in death. This is the way I want the world to be. This is how I want things to work. This is how I want to live. And you wrap it up and say, this is Christianity. And then when it doesn't work out and when things don't work out, you blame it on the God who made all things. And when it doesn't, uh, when it doesn't have any power to it, it doesn't cause us to have any joy. There's no passion involved in it. We we go. Where is God? Why did He do this? Why are we not? Why are, why are we not having any of that? And the reason is because the God you worship was the true God, but you just strayed over into worshiping yourself, and that's what they did. They made this golden calf from their possessions. They fashioned it the way they wanted to, and and in the end, they end up they end up worshiping. They end up worshiping themselves, and that is painful. It is. I, there's not an answer for it, and we all do it, but you can get way down that road, and the only way for you not to get down that road is to be in a place where you're pushed to seek out the Holy Spirit, where you're pushed to know God's Word, and you constantly are hearing the Holy Spirit teach God's truth from God's word regularly, talked about all the time, so that you don't stray toward your own self-centered idolatry. He says, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What a weird, wild statement that is. So Aaron saw it, and he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow there is a feast to the Lord. Aaron's going to later on claim that he really didn't want to do this. He was made to do this. But but the truth is, this is a great story about Aaron and how Aaron easily, as a leader of God's people, wandered over away from God. He'd been on the mountain. He'd met with God himself. He'd seen God and he'd heard God speak. And yet he wanders away too. So it's not just the lay people that do this. This this pastors and church leaders and called people by his name that do this also. And we see Aaron doing it. He sees it and what he did rather than saying, no, we need to wait to hear from God and we need to wait. And we should have gone up on that mountain to hear from God. And now we're in this position rather than pointing the people back to the mountaintop, he begins to make an altar for them so that they can worship themselves. And this whole story is going to be continually heard throughout history, and it's going to be talked about in it's going to be talked about in Scripture from this point on as a time where the people of God rebelled against God, and it's because they choose chose to worship they chose to worship a God made by their hands, which is really them, and it is going to destroy them. Whew. That is the story tomorrow. We're going to see that they rise up and they begin to to really, what God says is corrupt themselves. And you're always, when you're, when you're chasing after yourself and not chasing after God, you're always in the process of corrupting yourself. And they corrupt themselves and God deals with them. And he deals with them rather harshly. And we're going to see that, and then and then we'll see what God says about it. But I would say to you 
that you always consider is who I'm worshiping, the God that scripture presents and and is what I'm doing because I want to do it or is it because God has called me to do it? And if you do that, really, if you are diligent in seeking God out, he's not hard to find. He's pretty easy to find. And he'll lead your heart in the right direction. And if your heart has a little bit of issue with it, he will he will change your heart. He'll mend your heart and he'll make you into his his likeness and his in his image. And you'll know his desires. And I pray that'll be the case. It always has been for those who seek God. They always find him because he's eminently findable and he wants you to know him. So I pray that'll be the case for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.